You're listening to the Realized Empath Podcast, where we get real about loving and stumbling through our sensitive lives with your host and holistic counselor, Kristen Schwartz, who helps redefine what's possible for an empath who embraces a path of self-healing. Hey guys, welcome back to the Realized Empath Podcast. I'm so honored that you tuned in and grateful that you're here. So here's what we're going to do today. I'm actually going to go through some frequently asked questions that um, empaths like you, highly sensitive people like you have sent me over the years, and I am going to answer those questions. And I know that um, many of you will find yourself in these questions, and maybe even you'll hear a question that you're like, oh, I think I asked that question. Um, So that's what we're going to do for the next 25 minutes. So let's dive in. I had one person reach out to me and they were talking about how um, people make them feel like their emotions are too deep. Um, so maybe they're not willing to listen um, or their view, they're judging this person as toxic, right? Because their emotions are so strong. So I feel like the answer here um, is twofold. Uh, maybe even threefold. I'm going to say twofold because I can simplify the third one to actually be included in the second. So here we go. So if you have someone that you're in a relationship with that's consistently making you feel like you're too much, you're too sensitive, your emotions are too deep, um, that relationship might need some work. (laughs) Um, Most of the time it does. So people can only meet us, right? Meet our emotions and feelings as much as they meet their own. And we may have some patterns in that relationship um, where we're not meeting each other's emotional needs or that other person may be so full, right? So they, can, they can't meet your emotional needs because they're so full of their own pain um, that it's like they can't take any more on. And the only way they know how to cope with not taking it on is to shut down your feelings, which that's not an excuse. The relationship definitely needs work. Um, and it may just be um, that that person... It doesn't mean that you should stop talking about your feelings and sharing your emotions. It just might mean that that person doesn't have the capacity to hold space for you. Um, And there might be someone else that can do and meet that need better for you. Um, A lot of times over the course of our lives, when we're met with um, emotional rejection like that, we, especially if we're getting it from immediate family or people that we deem are the ones that are supposed to, and I'm doing air quotes around supposed, supposed to be the ones that listen. Um, When we take in that and we view it as rejection, then we can actually learn to um, kind of mute those needs, um, not express them as much because we think we're going to be met with rejection from everyone. We think that the people that our family or the ones that were closest to us that can't hold space for our emotions, that that's because um, we aren't worthy of someone holding space for us, which is not true. So it's like really taking a look at what your beliefs are underneath um, the need to be able to express ourselves. Um, and the two, right? I said it was twofold. So we have to get really real about our strong emotions and feelings. So all emotions are normal. All emotions are necessary. All emotions can point us to deeper healing. They're part of the healing process. 
it's how we express our emotions that can be toxic. So anger is healthy and normal, and everyone should feel it and express it. But it's how we offload the anger that can be toxic. So um, there are a lot of people that have had it modeled to them that when you feel anger, you express it in a way that can be emotionally damaging to other people. You offload that anger with yelling or throwing things. That behavior is toxic. Anger as an emotion is not. Okay, so let's go on to the second question. As an empath, do you have tips for when others close to you are going through trauma? Um, How do... This person said, how do you detach? But really, I know what their meaning is. How do you hold space or listen to someone else's trauma or pain without it actually affecting you? So it all starts with us and understanding our bodies, our limits, our boundaries, our energy. So we have to make sure that we have the energetic and personal boundaries Grounding and meditating, getting still, talking to a counselor, doing all the things that we can to take care of ourselves to maintain our energy. So it's our responsibility to come into that conversation full, right? Um, And then also it's really important to notice, right? Be self-aware of like what thoughts come up when we're thinking about like, okay, our friend is hurting, Um. I need, like, there's those thoughts of, like, I need to show up no matter what, even if it's draining me, um, which doesn't help. If you think of, like, the universe as a whole, and when we go in to help, offer help to another person, right, we really are hoping that we're somehow healing or helping on energetic level. We're hoping that it fills them up, right? The goal, though, like if we're going in and we're helping someone filling them up, but at the same time we're draining ourselves, then the two of us walk away and the the quality of energy is still the same, but I'm drained now and that other person is full. So you really want to be able to walk in full um, and then know what your limits and boundaries are and you help, but not to your detriment. So it really does come back to you, understanding your energy, understanding your limits, and having those boundaries in place so you can offer assistance that in a whole benefit both of you. Okay. Do you think it's toxic having a strong need to help others through empath powers? Um, see, all based on what our true intention is, right? So it's all helping is all based on our true, what's our true intention behind helping another person. So when we have clean and clear intentions, um, and then we make sure there aren't cross intentions, cross intentions rooted in worthiness. For example, when we help someone else, are we doing it from a space of just pure heart are there strings attached? Um, do we help because we want to feel worthy? Do we help because if we think we, if we fix them, somehow we will feel less pain? So it's like really clear on your intentions. Do we offer help when we're not asked? Are we crossing someone else's boundaries? So as long as you're really clear and your intentions are pure and clear, then you're good. Like each person's going to be different. So it really is like, 
self-awareness, accountability, um, and then help as much as you want to or can without, um, you know, draining yourself. Okay. What advice would you give to an empath who has no one who understands the way they are? Wow. This is a, this is a powerful question. Okay. So all I can say is what worked for me, I wrote and eventually published articles outlining my experience. Um, and what happened for me is like magic. Um, those who were like me and resonated with my journey um, reached out to me. So it's like find a creative outlet um, and be open to creating space for those who will get you, right? So a lot of times we are so, we crave that validation and that, you know, that, that other person that says, yeah, I get it. Um, and we crave it so much that we keep barking up the wrong trees. Like we ask for the validation. We share something hoping that someone says, yeah, me too. Yeah, I get it. And then those same people keep giving us a sideways look. And, and But then we keep going back thinking somehow we can convince them that what we're, our experience is valid and that what's actually happening with, within us is real. So stay open to the possibilities that there are other people that you haven't met yet out there that are the ones that are actually meant to hear you and hear your story. Um, and that being said, you need to actually, we need, all of us need to make sure that before we're trying to convince everyone else of the validity of our sensitivity and our gifts, that we have accepted them 100% ourselves before we're going out and attempting to get the world to accept it. Okay. So how do you improve your intuition? Um, this is a, this is a great question. So I guess this depends on, I mean, everyone can be at different uh, levels of, you know, in terms of a connection with their intuition. Um, but I would say that if you feel like you've completely lost connection, like you don't, you can't tell if it's intuition or fear, um, take daily action to connect back to your body, allowing yourself the stillness it takes to feel like the subtle nudges from your senses. So a lot of us are so preoccupied with outside energy that we don't actually get in touch with our own. We don't actually know how our body feels or, or how our energy feels in any given moment because we're so focusing on other people's energy. And also, I will say this, is um, the Empath Morning Ritual Journal that I have on my website that you can download for free. I put some intuition exercises that are fun um, in the journal. So you can get those anytime. And then I actually, when I journal every day, um, I do depending on where I'm at in terms of my intuition and how strong I'm feeling, um, I'll do those. And they're fun. All right. I was recently asked if being an empath was real and was wondering how you would answer. Um, my answer would be, what's re what does real mean? You know, like, what does that mean? Are we talking about science? Um, because everything once was not in a science book. And science is not this one and done thing. It's, it evolves. It's 
um, it's like, it's like this breathing alive thing that changes when we get new information. Um, so everything that once wasn't in a science book, um, eventually maybe is. And then still the things that are, are ever like they're ever changing. So if science makes you feel more grounded, you know, then you can go on the internet and look up more scientific articles on impasse. But basically, empath is just a label. It's just a label that is sharing or with all of us how we experience the world. And all of us, even though I may say I'm an empath and you say you're an empath, we still experience the world differently. We have commonalities, which is what connects us because we're like, oh, yeah, me too. But we're all very different. So I would say the people that are saying it's not real, your response is, I don't need you to think it's real. Like, I don't, I don't need you to think it's, you know, I'm okay with you not thinking it's real because that shouldn't change. Um, it shouldn't shake your foundation of what you know is true for you. Okay. Oh, here's one. Advice on how not to absorb violence and gore or how to stop overthinking things in life. So those are two separate things. So let's start with absorbing violence and gore. Um, I can just say that I avoid it. I don't, I don't enjoy horror films. Um, I do not watch the news. Um, I accept that it's not for me. And I, I know that it drains, drains my life force. So I limit it. Um, and that's really what it's about. It's about boundaries. So if you know that violence and gore, when you absorb it, um, affects you in a certain way, then your job, because you are in fact responsible for yourself, you're responsible for setting boundaries and limiting violence and gore. Um, now I understand that there's certain circumstances where it happens, right? We can't, we're not always in control of what's going on around us. Like if we're in certain parts of the country and I get that. Um, but I'm talking about things that are in our control, like the movies we watch, the news we watch, um, you know, the things that we listen to, the music we listen to. Um, it's up to us to create a life that caters to our needs and what makes us feel most alive. Um, okay, the second part of their question, how to stop overthinking things. Hmm. How to stop overthinking things. <laughs> and I laugh because I'm like, I don't really, I don't have an answer to like how to turn off overthinking. I think overthinking, um, it can be, a multitude of things. It can be anxiety driven, right? Anxiety can drive it. Um, also, um, like this morning when I woke up, I got up before my alarm and I started to like think through so much. And I kept saying to myself, I really don't need to be thinking about this right now. I need to go back to sleep and get like 30 more minutes of sleep. Um, so sometimes it just is a natural thing that happens in our mind. Um, so there's different things. I mean, first, you need to be aware of what's driving the overthinking. Is there something in your life that's causing stress? Um, and then there's different ways. You know, if, if it's during your day and you're obsessing about a relationship or what someone said, um, 
really the overthinking is either stress or it's um, like a pattern in that has occurred. Um, it's a pattern that it, that it happened because of trauma. So it's like a coping mechanism where we think um, if we can somehow figure it out in our heads, we can get rid of a feeling in our body. So if we're feeling anxious in our body, in our chest, um, and we but coping, um, a way of coping is to disconnect from our bodies. So we go in our heads and we somehow learn or think, because it's not true, that we can think ourselves out of the actual feeling of stress in our body. So another way is to um, start connecting back to our bodies and going there and going, okay, what am I feeling right now? Okay, I'm feeling there's a tension in my chest. And then going deeper than that, okay, what's that tension in my chest? What is it trying to tell me? Um, It's trying to tell me that I'm scared. Okay, what am I scared of? And kind of go go directly to the feeling and sort through that instead of going in your mind and trying to talk yourself out of the feeling. All right, next question. How to tell someone that our roles need to change, that I need, to su- I need support from them. Uh, this is a, uh, this would be a question that I actually would want more um, details around. So I'm going to guess that this person is in a relationship and the relationship has probably been going on for a while. And so the relationship um, and the patterns in the relationship go a certain way. And one of the, this person that wrote the question is in a space where they see that it's not working for them anymore. And so they see that there needs to be change in the relationship and the patterns of behavior for them to actually move towards healing or to, you know, be more fulfilled in their life. So my answer would be, um, it would be, it's a great example actually for needing boundaries within a relationship. So whenever we resent another, it's a clue that the relationship lacks boundaries. So telling someone that roles need to change too. So this person is afraid. I'm I'm guessing maybe go into, okay, why am I afraid? What do I think is going to happen if I approach this person in my relationship that, um, Things aren't working for me the way they are anymore. There's going to be some fear there. Um, I'm guessing with asking this question of what their response is going to be and what do I think is going, what do I think I'm going to lose or what is the potential, right? What is, what do I potentially think I'm going to lose if I communicate my needs, right? So getting really clear on that. It's essential to note too that people can't always be there for us. Um, like I said, I think in the first question is, dependent on where that individual is with their own troubles, right? Because we're all fellow strugglers. So dependent on where that person is with their own struggles um, and how full their energy levels are, that's going to determine whether they're even going to be able to listen or hold space for our troubles. Um, So we have to be proactive and meet our needs or find those open to our needs. How to get around the fear 
of communicating that the roles in a relationship need to change. Um, that's just understanding what are your fears, what are the needs that you are afraid won't get met if you communicate the change that needs to happen. And just kind of like sort yourself through it, soothe yourself through it, get support if you need it. Um, but absolutely move towards communicating your needs. Um, and it may just be that you have to do it through fear, which ends up being courage, right? Okay. How can an empath, oh, how an empath can find the right career for them? This is a hundred percent up to the person, right? So this question is written in a way that um, assumes that every empath would be right for one specific career. So like I said, like an empath is a label that basically says, oh, hey, these are commonalities. These are ways that we experience the world. And some of us have um, shared experiences, but we're all different. So there are certain careers that are geared more towards the highly sensitive person. Um, So maybe checking out those. But really, this has to do with what lights you up and what breaks your heart and what would you do if money wasn't a factor and what makes you feel alive and what false beliefs do you carry that keep you from following your soul? Like those are the top things. And also, the better we know ourselves, the more self-aware we are, um, and the more our beliefs about ourselves aren't tied to other people's judgments from the past, the more clearly we're going to know what career is best for us because we're going to know ourselves deeply, like our true selves. All right, next question. Why, Why trauma makes people stay in friend groups um, when there is uh, social games and backstabbing. Okay, so basically this question is, why do we stay in unhealthy relationships? Like, why does trauma make us do that? The answer, um, the answer may change depending on the person, okay? But usually it's rooted in codependency and a person's false beliefs around what it means about themselves if they don't have these friends anymore. Um, and I mean, dependent on, so this person specifically talking about friend groups, um, we're not talking about like physically abusive, um, relationships where, um, there are other factors that come into why people stay. So I'm, we're just talking about like, if you have a group of friends and everyone backstabs each other, why do we stay, um, And I would turn that question back onto the person. Why do you stay? Like, what are all the fears? Like, what is your mind telling you about you if you were to not be in that friend group anymore? And so your mind might be telling you, um, I'll be alone. Um, People will judge me because they'll say, you know, I don't have any friends. Or maybe you fear what they would think of you. So really go into your fear. Whatever you think or fear someone else thinks of you is something really you think of you or you're afraid that that is part of you and you haven't really addressed that yet. All right. 
Let's see. How to embrace that you will be an empath forever. So I'm assuming that not embracing means that this person deems being an empath or experiencing the world like we do as some type of curse, right? And um, and I understand like any any time any human being lives life in um, an overwhelmed, like a long-term overwhelmed state, it's not fun and nobody wants to be in that, you know, situation. So what I would do if you're in that space of believing it's a curse and just not enjoying your life, um, the way that you perceive it or the way that you experience um, the energy around you is healing. Like, stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. healing your past, healing your trauma, healing your patterns, um, taking a look at your relationships, taking a look at um, every aspect of your life. And and I would focus most of my energy on healing and then creating a lifestyle that starts to support who you actually are, which is a highly sensitive person. So if if the research is true, right, that only like two to three percent of the population are highly sensitive, then that would mean that we would need to be living unlike 98% of the world. Like our lifestyles really do need to be look different to create an atmosphere that where we thrive. Um, so for me, my lifestyle is is healing. Like I do things every single day. Um, and when I say healing, I'm not moving towards, oh, I'm going to arrive at this healed state and then I'm done. No, it's like every day. Every day I process the energy, the emotions, the feelings. Um, every day I meditate. Every day I create. I do the things um, that help me feel good, help me release. I move my body. Um, I do the things that I know that I need to be doing every day um, to feel the strongest as I can or as strong as I can as an empath. Okay. Why do empaths often feel not noticed? What could an empath do to be noticed? So... Here's a really good answer for this question. We most we feel unnoticed because we don't spend enough of our energy noticing ourselves. Most of us spend our energy trying to get others to see when all our inner child wants is for us to connect to 
our deepest needs and take accountability to meet them. So this is a great example of pointing outside of ourselves, thinking that if someone else notices us, it will somehow feel the way we want to feel. It will fill a hole that we really need filled, which is a need that we need met. But most empaths and highly sensitive people are so busy watching everyone else's energy, we forget to sit with ours and meet our own needs. Okay, let's see. I find that I am out of touch with my senses and feelings. How can I embrace them? This is, uh, this is pretty common, uh, especially if you grew up um, most of your life, grew up and then even through adulthood, not understanding what it meant to be a highly sensitive person or an empath. Because we sense everything in our bodies and we feel everything in our bodies, we end up eventually disconnecting from our bodies because we're like, I don't want to be part of this. Like, I need some distance from everything I'm feeling. So we end up in our heads. So then we wake up one day and we're like, gosh, I am so out of touch with my feelings. I don't even know how I feel about anything. I don't know what I like. I don't know what, you know, you just, you've lost touch. Um, So I would say prioritize sitting in stillness and just focus on your body and notice what bubbles up. So if you take like five minutes to yourself and you just sit down and you calm your mind a little bit and you just ask your body to show you or ask your body how it feels or just notice first. Like, hey, I'm noticing, oh, I feel some tension under my left shoulder oh, my, you know, my calf or my shin is a little bit sore. Like just notice. That's all you have to do. Like you don't have to diagnose it in your mind. Just notice it. And then you can also move to um, asking your body to show you what joy feels like. And then just sit with that. And when you sense it, ask your body to expand that feeling. How do you protect yourself from energy vampires when you have no choice but to have them in your life? You protect yourself. So anytime we're overwhelmed by someone else's energy, it's because their energy is bigger than ours. But that doesn't have to be the case. You can come into a situation and you can you can dominate with your energy. So we, you can limit time, you can limit your discussions, you can um, limit your energy, you can have boundaries around, you know, all those things, time, energy. Um, and also it's, it's not just um, reactive self-care, which that what that, that is. Let's say you know you're going to be around a person or, or you're already there. Let's say you're already in the room and their energy is overtaking yours and you start to feel resentful and you're like, gosh darn it, like I feel this way because they do. So then you'll have like reactive self-care, like what can I do in the moment? But you should also have a practice of proactive, like I said before, like living a life of healing every single day. So you're going into those encounters with that person full. I just want you to remember too. So 
with this so-called energy vampire, which I don't, I don't like that word and I don't use it because their energy is just stronger than yours. It dominates yours, but energy vampire makes it seem like, oh, this person is sucking my energy and I'm a victim. And I do not believe that empaths are victims. I just believe that we need to change how we care for ourselves and prioritize filling ourselves up and maintaining our energy uh, that we are empowered to make these choices. So remember that if you go into this situation with this person and you are afraid and you already believe that their energy is going to affect yours, then you're going in with that energy. And just that thought alone is going to affect their energy. So remember, we really do have to come in to the situation with someone that we know usually dominates our energy from a place of empowerment. Okay, we have two more questions. I have a problem judging others, but when they judge me, I'm so sensitive to that. Yes, great question. So caring what other people think of us is one of our biggest emotional strongholds. Um, It's also the main reason for spiritual disconnection and betraying ourselves. So when our foundation is unshakable, when we know who we are, we like who we are, and we don't need any anybody else's input to to a, like nobody else's input is going to shake that foundation, right? I'm not saying that when someone says something or calls you something that's not kind, it's not going to hurt. But what I'm saying is at the core, you're like, oh, well, that sucked that you said that. That didn't feel good. But um, you rebound because you're like, no, I know who I am and I'm, I'm great with who I am and I actually don't need you to be okay with me. I'm okay with me. So when our, un- when our foundation is unsh- unshakable, what people think um, can't rock us really when it's unshakable. So we want to start with how we feel about ourselves and address that and then we won't be so affected when other people judge us. And again, if because this question says, I have a problem with judging others. Well, we judge others when we, when we, we have that shakable foundation. Like anytime someone is criticizing another person, it's because they're not unshakable in their view of themselves. Okay. Last, I say last question or I say two more? Yeah, I said two more. Okay, so this is next to last. Okay. How to stop comparing myself to others? Oh, yeah. Man, I wish I uh, knew this answer many years ago. Would save us so much heartache, wouldn't it? So I think this is really what it's all about and why I have a lifestyle of healing that... um, will never never falter. Like I will always live my life the way that I do. Because for me, I really think that this journey is all about embracing all of who I am and you embracing all of who you are, the dark and the light. So when we reject our dark, we reject the whole of who we are. You see what I'm saying? Like when you are like, oh, well, I... I do this, then therefore I'm bad. Or, oh, I did this in the past. When you judge parts of yourself, right, you're judging the whole of who you are because we are all shadow and we are all light. 
don't let anyone fool you that's out there constantly just making it seem like they're only light. Uh, no. Anyone who thinks they're only light is also rejecting all of who they are. And anyone rejecting the dark is rejecting all of who they are. So con- comparison is holding your dark up to their light. So anytime you look at another person and you judge them, you're judging their darkness against your light. So light to light, dark to dark. So anytime you see somebody messing up, instead of letting your mind go to and compare your light to their dark, go go into your memories and, and grab a mistake or a weakness or, you know, part of the darkness and compare your darkness to theirs. And it's really not comparison at that point. It's more of like, I get it. Me too. We're all human. So that was our last question, you guys. This was a great show. And I think I might, I have so many frequently asked questions. I might do another frequently asked question um, podcast, maybe next week or maybe the week after. We will see. But thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope you all have a fabulous rest of your week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Realized Empath Podcast. Revisit past episodes or contact Kristen at realizedempath.com. Did you love this episode? Please share it with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, sensitive souls.